So let's go into your next case. The next case is a patient I've known for 14, 15 years now. In 1998, at the age of 45, she had a T2, N1, M0 breast cancer. She had two positive lymph nodes. It was estrogen receptor positive. I'm not sure we were testing her too new in 1998. Probably not. She was treated with CMF, followed by tamoxifen. She received radiation as part of her adjuvant for local control. And after five years, she was put on exomestine. In February of 2007, she probably had a local recurrence, although it was less clear. She opted for bilateral mastectomies. She was also genetically tested at some point and was negative. She was treated at that time with docetaxel and cyclophosphamide and switched to anastrozole. She received the anastrozole to December of 2009 when she presented with bone metastasis. A rib biopsy slash soft tissue component was biopsied. Again, estrogen receptor positive, now HER2 negative. She was started on a bisphosphonate and fulvestrin for three months, at which point she progressed. She was treated with napaclitaxel and bevacizumab from April of 2010 to September of 2010. A scan showed progression. She was switched at that time to pegylated liposomal doxorubicin. She received only two cycles, and frankly, her liver started to grow. We rescanned her, and she had significant progression as shown on scans. And at that point, we switched her to capecitabine and ixabethalone, which she has been receiving since November of 2010. Her liver function test dramatically improved, and her tumor markers, which I do use sometimes in metastatic disease, significantly improved. And after approximately three months, we rescanned her, and she had a dramatic response. So she's doing great right now. What were your impressions when you saw her, Hal? You know, in patients like this, first thing is, you know, you always sort of wonder, why is it that after progressing on two different lines of taxanes and then prior chemotherapy with alkylators and anthracyclines, you still see these beautiful responses? And Lord knows why, but it's very gratifying to see. And I think it gives hope to all of us who care for patients and give multiple lines of chemotherapy that you can often see these kinds of dramatic responses. And she was not only happy that her scans were better, but she felt better. I mean, it was important to note that she really symptomatically was feeling better and looking forward to some family adventures in the coming weeks and months. So in this case, obviously, you're going to continue with your successful regimen. And I use these moments as an opportunity to have the patient take stock of where they're at in sort of life planning. I think when people are doing well with advanced breast cancer is the time to introduce the ideas of, well, okay, you know, are the finances in order? Have you thought about a living will? Have you put your affairs in order legally such that if you get sick again, you're satisfied by where things are at? And to do that while you feel good and you have lots of energy and can tackle these questions and not when you're sicker. Did that come up today or has it come up, Rich? Yeah, I'm very direct about where you stand with metastatic disease. And if you want to go visit somebody, go visit them now. And hopefully you'll get to go visit them again next year and making sure your affairs are in order. So we've had those discussions in a very gentle fashion, but very direct. I think it's your responsibility as a physician to be honest about that. So thinking back to the successful decision you made to give her capecitabine and ixabibolone, Hal, can you talk about what the options are? We have a lot of agents. Now we got aribulin. Maybe you may want to comment on that. But in a patient, it looks like she was progressing despite a taxane and anthracycline and prior CMF. What are the options and how do you make the decision, Hal? 
Well, these are highly individualized decisions, and there are lots of choices available. But as some of your surveys have shown, Neil, and as our own practice analyses have shown, women like this are candidates for an average of about six lines of chemotherapy for metastatic disease now. And there are lots of options. In Rich's practice, he has a very handsome breast cancer worksheet that he puts sort of on the front of the chart. And the single agents for metastatic disease include gemcitabine, pegylated doxorubicin, paclitaxel, docetaxel, nabpaclitaxel, mitomycin, venerelbine, kepsitabine, doxorubicin, methotrexate, vincas, carboplatin, thiotepa, toposide, ixabepilone, and he doesn't have a ribulin on here because this was printed before November when the That's FDA right. approved it. So there are lots of choices. And beyond first or second line, we actually have relatively few data. We have data for use of ixabepilone and capecitabine. This was the registrational indication for this product. It was a study of taxane refractory anthracycline-treated patients who received capecitabine alone or capecitabine with ixabepilone, and there was a response and progression-free survival advantage. And we also have data for use of aribulin, which is a new drug. It's also a microtubule targeting drug. It was approved in February based on the so-called EMBRACE study, which was just published in the Lancet recently. And in that study, patients that had multiple lines of chemotherapy were offered dealer's choice of any drug they wanted versus aribulin, and there was actually an overall survival advantage for aribulin. Like other microtubule targeting drugs, the major side effects are neutropenia and neuropathy. Those do require careful attention and occasionally dose modification. We don't know which of these is the best option for any given patient at any given time. So I like to remind patients that there are multiple options, that they're going to be a candidate for multiple lines of these different products. And I'm influenced by some of the things they've had in the past. So certainly if people have gone a long time since a taxane type drug, then introducing a product like exabepilone makes a lot of sense. Conversely, if they have not seen an anthracycline ever before, or if they've not had a vinca, then those are things to think about as well. This patient specifically asked this question, you know, where would we go next? And in her case, you know, the hope is that we will get continuing benefit from the combination she's on. We talked about a chemo holiday, if she has a good response. We talked about reintroducing an endocrine agent at some point, such as megesterol acetate or other anti-estrogen type therapies that she might be a candidate for. And actually, I think it's helpful to just mention to patients that there are lots of options yet to go. They're always concerned that there won't be another option. And for most women, there's usually another option. So, Rich, how did you actually select Exabiblum and Cape in her situation? What were you thinking? I was concerned that she was going to get sick. I tend to use single agents, and it's unusual for me to use a combination. The changes on her cat skin after a short period of time were fairly dramatic, she had had a fair amount of chemotherapy over the past 15 years. So I was thinking in terms of a combination of drugs that she hadn't seen. And so that's how we arrived at that. And how are you thinking through, you know, factoring in aribulin in a patient like this? So at the time of her progression, it had not been approved. And certainly this would be a drug that fulfills all its requirements at some point in her life. If it were available, are there any clinical ways to decide whether you would use that or ixabiblone capecitabine or you know, gemcitabine, for example? You know, the toxicities are relatively similar, and so I don't know that I would have chose one versus the other. I don't know that there's any combination data that I'm aware of yet with aribulin. And again, in the rare instance that I use a combination, this was a combination that I was familiar with. Hal, what about the issue of endpoints in trials of new agents in metastatic breast cancer, specifically overall survival versus response rate and progression-free survival? 
Well, there are multiple different questions there. For one thing, we know you can look for survival benefit. Uh, I mean, the aribulin drug was approved on survival in women who did an average of four prior lines of chemotherapy. So you can do it. It can be done. Maybe we need different endpoints. Maybe we need to focus on symptom control or the time until the next initiation of chemotherapy or pain management. Because it's clear that response is only a relatively good, not a great surrogate for PFS, and that PFS is at best a weak surrogate for overall survival. Having said that, the companies don't have to show a survival difference to get approval. You just have to show that your drug is safe and effective and at least as good as other existing options. And so I think what you're going to see in the near term is people focusing more on refractory disease for labels and then doing follow-on work in first line or second line to try and establish better how the drug should really be used.